Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. Yeah, we're back after a brief hiatus. Couple days here in Germany traveling, so had to like a little break, but it's Russian winter anyways. And, uh, there's one man who knows the Russian winter better than anyone else. Andrew Flint. Um, I've been sending you food updates. I hope you've been enjoying them. And, um, I'm very curious about the weather. I don't have my phone handy. So, you know, usually on my phone, I always look up every morning uh human weather and uh, i laugh a little bit to myself and uh yeah think about you so so kind of you man it's so 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 lovely to, the, the sort of fraternity that we share across the football ground network um, but yeah i just manu look i'll save you the bob much as you'll have the technical updates and apple google updates whatever weather in man just november to march is just white cold okay. done problem solved but 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 it is getting warmer, and you know why? Spring is coming? Well, more importantly than spring, the Fennel will be back here in less than a month. That's why it's heating up. Less than a month. Well, a Russian Premier League, um, less than two weeks, Andrew. You know. Oh, ten no. days, ten days, I will be there watching Zanit in Yekaterinburg. I cannot wait. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, good luck. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I, the voice that you're hearing is Tim. And, um, Tim, um, we haven't spoken in a while either because I'm in Germany, you in Canada. Um, I'm hearing you guys having tons of snow over there. That's really too bad. I got to Germany. There was still snow on the ground. <laughs> it's all gone. It's gone to spring. Uh, how is it going over there? It's actually melted uh, over the past couple oh, of days. Oh, thank God. It's been raining, so you're all good. You're all good. So we're, we're like two men not covered in snow. Oh, yeah, that's the best news I've gotten all day. Um, <laughs> I, I'm flying back next week, and we all know what the West Coast does when it, uh, when it snows. It shuts down, and I was getting ready for flight delays and uh, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. It's glad it's not snowing. Um, Tim, but everything else good? Yeah, everything is good. I've been just a little bit sick, so if I don't sound 100% today on the podcast, I would like to apologize in advance, but life is great, and I'm excited to talk about uh, RPL. Yeah, we, we, we got to actually lots of things to discuss, but we got a, we got a few short news items to go over. Um, this first one, yeah, I put a little, I, I, smile of disbelief on my face. Um, <laughs> no, Tim, I'm going to stick with you. The Denavo Stadium is, um, apparently finished, but not quite. Ah, what's going on there? Um, I, when I was in, uh, when I went to new, for New Year to Russia, I was in Moscow and I was passing by the, the new Dynamo Stadium and it looked fantastic. You know, obviously, like, you know, I was driving in a car and I passed it by. It's hard, hard to, to really to evaluate the stadium, but it looked so cool. 
uh, from the outside. But apparently there's some problem inside. Uh, their pitch is not 100% ready. They, their opening game is uh, Derby against Spartak, which uh, should take place on March 10th. But um, the uh, Russian FA, they have issues with the uh, pitch condition at the new Dynamo Stadium. And the new Dynamo Stadium isn't yet licensed for the RPL games. So even the stadium is ready and to my, uh, according to my knowledge, looks great from the outside. There are some issues inside and we'll just have to uh, keep um, monitoring the situation and see if the game will actually will take place. You know, there's a, there's a big part of my Russian history going there, right there, going out of the window because ever since I've been traveling to Russia, um, that place has been a construction site. So this is quite a long time now. I mean, this is this is speaking more than ten years. Um, it, it's it's sad thinking about it not being a construction site anymore. And of course, even worse, um, no more trips to Himki. It's. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you two will be tragically disappointed. Voice. Yeah, it, it's I'm, sad. I I can hear the sadness in your voice already. Yeah, sad. very sad. Um, <laughs> another p- bit of p- sad news that um, we got today, this morning. Uh, I, I, Andrew, you mentioned it to me and I said like, oh yeah, I did register that, that somehow. I, I saw the headline, it literally flashed past me. Um, it, it was one of those things where I'm like, oh yeah, I guess this is this either old news or is this a repetitive news or is this actually new news? Apparently it's new news. Uh, Alan Sagov is hurt again. Um this doesn't this doesn't even register anymore with me andrew it, it doesn't that's that's the sad part um i mean it's sad because he is just such a technically brilliant player and he really should have i mean i say should have it's not in, well i whether it is in fault his fault or not that he gets consistently injured so often um is up for debate i guess but he really is one of the the most gifted playmakers that russia has produced in the last at least for the last five, ten years. Um, and he right now should be at the top of his game. But I honestly, the thing is that Tesco don't rely on him anymore. They have very, very well recruited replacements in midfield, uh, converted Ilzak Akwitov into a playmaker, for example. Um, Jakob Biol is looking good. Um, Konstantin Kuchayev back from injury. Um, I mean, there are so many sad elements to it. Like you say, it's recurring, but also... In a way, the saddest part is that he won't really be missed that much. Yeah, uh, Shrak. Um, any news on how long he's going to be out? No, I I don't think they announced it because like he was uh, carried out on a stretcher from a friendly game, and there has not been official news. So I don't even know if it's a muscle injury or if it's uh, you know uh, ligaments or anything else. So yeah, unknown. Just put him in a whole body cast. Um... Guys, uh, another speaking of people tripping over things, um, Anton Sabolotny. I mean, I see him trip over things all the time, um, but <laughs> apparently he tripped over a mannequin. Now, this wouldn't be a big news story if it hadn't been. I mean, you gotta love social media. Um, it's it's the best. It, it's been made into a big news story. Tim, um, I mean, I, I again, this is one thing that just it's just it just flashed past me. I'm like, okay, well, he tripped over something. Uh, happens <laughs> seems to be happening all the time. But yet, is this a good idea to make this into a bigger thing? I think so. I think I think you know. I like when people personally have self humor. They can laugh at themselves. That shows them that you you know you see um, yourself in uh, different situations. And I'm not sure if Zabalotny approved or not. But Zenit posted that uh, video of um, pretty much uh, training some attacking moves, and he was supposed to get a long ball. 
uh, and he tripped over one of those, you know, mannequins or like football replacements bins. And it looked quite funny because the whole team was just laughing. You can see how how the whole team is just like on the ground laughing because it was so funny. And it's it really looks funny. And uh, I think, uh, in my opinion, Zenit, they have the best uh, social media in the Russian football. They have a great uh, YouTube channel with very, very interesting um, videos. So they give a lot of um, information from inside the dressing room, some stuff which you can even imagine seeing with some clubs. And uh, it's in their style uh, to make um, this a funny situation into a, a meme or like a social media um, video. Uh, so I, I think I think it's fun because you know obviously you know we now laughing at Zabalotny, but again it just brings a little bit more attention to Zenit and to their social media. So I think it's a good move. Yeah, it's you know big shout out to their social media. They they're quite good and uh, remember the the funny videos they did with Hulk, for example. Those were always they were always good times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another quick news story, FNL Cup, Andrew. Um, this one is for you. Um, we have the finals. You know, this is this is very confusing because they're playing actually finals tomorrow for ninth to twelfth place and thirteenth to sixteenth place, but actual final today. Um, Roto Volgograd against Kursk. Um, I mean, this is, this is the tournament of the winter, you know, like forget the Europa League and the Champions League and all that other garbage. I mean, uh, who cares about any of those competitions? It, it is about that, you know, glorious post Soviet competition that is the FNL Cup, isn't it? Well, absolutely, it is. I mean, you know, we we of course we're slightly tongue in cheek when we say that, but um, but we've said we've said this before a number of times. When you've got such an enforced absence, you need to make something of it. Um, you know, when you've got three months, well, realistically, it's longer than that because, to be honest, the end, the last two or three fixtures at the end of the beginning of December are usually very low quality because of the temperature and conditions on the ground, and then you know, you the Russian clubs easing themselves back into what is actually a very short spring session of the season, it means you've got to make use of the time in the middle. And it's it's a really good opportunity for players to come on trial and the younger teams to test the metal against the against the bigger sides. Um, I've been rather quiet on this recently because, <laughs> rather embarrassingly, Ural, the only Premier League side, and the full Premier League side, that is, as well, in the competition, they actually finished bottom of their group against a youth side and... Uh, and, and two others. So, uh, Ural will not be defending their title. Um, and Chumen also fell by the wayside as well. So, um, for me personally, it's a less than glorious, uh, end to the Fennel Cup. But more importantly, um, it's, it's a good, it's a good opportunity for the, the teams to, to gear up. So, uh, final today, um, should be good just after we get off to this pod. So, uh, anybody who's had a loose end of the couple of hours time or, by the time you hear this, you probably already would have happened, so it's a waste of time me saying it, but we'll be watching anyway, I'm sure. Yeah, Tumen won the, the last game I see here, the semi final of the fifth to eighth place. <laughs> oh no, fifth to eighth place, yeah, that's what they won. Um Yeah, 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 right, right, yeah. Okay. Um you don't have to understand all the formats. I guess it was just about <laughs> playing as many games as possible. It, 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 I don't want to make too much fun of the FNL Cup. Um we actually did preview it on footballgrad.com and I do find it a fascinating competition just because it has all these teams from many different countries. Um there was teams from Estonia, Latvia, uh, uh sorry, not Latvia. Yeah, yes, Latvia. So I can mm -hmm. get my countries right. And, and Armenia playing, taking part. So yeah, cool little competition. Um, check it out. 
there's a good article on it on footballgrad.com. Boys, um, that's, that's our roundup on short, quick fire news. Uh, I, I like this section. I think we're going to keep it going for the next few podcasts. A uh, bit of bigger news story. And Tim, you did an article on this on footballgrad.com. Um, Pavel Mamaev, he's in jail together with his buddy Kokorin. We get to talk about him in a moment. Um, he got to play a round of football in jail and that was quite well received. Yeah, you know, just over time, the situation uh, became in Russia, especially in the press and amongst, um, you know, football football people. Uh, it kind of became from uh, the total embarrassment which they made out of themselves. Over time, the situation transition of um, feeling bad and like kind of having sympathy for Mama and Kakorin. And the reason for that is because um, it's um, lots of people saying that, uh, they're just trying to make an example out of themselves, and um, obviously they're um, they're in prison for way longer than what they deserve, based on purely uh, the things they've done. Uh, you know, based on their crime, because like the crime was really a public fight and everything else, and um, really like they just they just been in in jail for for a very long period of time and on purpose of being delayed and delayed so it's um you know in russian we have the saying it's a public beating so they just uh using them as an example and uh, there's quite a lot of sympathy towards them right now because yes they made a mistake but why why they've been in jail for so long and that story kind of um, comes across as another kind of positive um spin on their situation because they've been away from their families and from their kids for 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 a very long time and uh, they've been talking about organizing a match um in jail where they are and um uh, they finally organized it on uh february 14th it was for the saint valentine's day and as paul mama have said uh that date was picked on purpose because he wanted to do to devote this game to his wife and all uh, and all other wives who are waiting for their um husbands who are in jail right now so it was a game of football um uh, i've played a lot of those games in uh, when i was a kid because they played on a snowy pitch uh, the game was um 20 minutes uh, each half uh, because uh, the game was held during one hour, which all the uh, jailed uh, people get uh, for a walk. Uh, and uh, the, the journalists were uh, let in uh, to the game and they filmed the game. And um, I remember playing those games on snow. It's really, the obviously, there were some prisoners who, obviously not professional, Pavel Mamaev was the, the biggest professional on, 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 on the squad and the only professional. And uh, you can see how that uh, conditions of um, snow really... Uh, brings down uh, the the difference in quality. Obviously, Pavel Mamaev was the best player, but I, I watched the game for a little bit, and you can see that video in the article on footballgrad.com. Uh, you can watch it's quite a comical game because, um, you know, you, he is obviously a very gifted and technical player, but you can see him slipping uh, on the snow and on the ice. It's it, But still, he the game finished 8-7, uh, so 15 goals were scored. Um, and he scored what, seven or eight, something like that. So he scored like more than half of the of the goals uh, from both teams. He played for both sides, and he wore a uh, jersey, you not know, a jersey, like a bib uh, with number seventeen and the last name on the back. So he was the only person who had a last name on his bib. And um, yeah, he, he seemed he seemed he was happy. He spoke to the journalist briefly after, and um, he was happy. And um, yeah, it it seems like it was a good event. And uh, after the after the match, the journalists were let in into his uh, jail cell, 
and they could see in which conditions uh, he lives with um, 11 other uh, jail prisoners. There's 12 people in that jail cell. Uh, they have a TV, they have a whole bunch of uh, food. I assume that was food, you know, brought to my wife, and they have, you know, lots of good um, calories in, in, the, in the fridge. Yeah, so that's kind of the story. Uh, one thing I did mention, Kokoran didn't play uh, for two reasons, because uh, they said that the, the, the rule didn't permit. I assume they're probably in a different uh, parts of the prison, so they have a different um, rest time, that one hour where you get during uh, for the walk. And the second, that he still has issues with his knee, and it wasn't really safe for him to play. Uh, he's still recovering from the knee injury, and he hasn't been training for, what, almost six months now? Uh, properly, not four months, and um, he has issues that that's why he didn't play. So that's kind of a summary of what happened. Uh, read the article for more details, and most importantly, watch those videos because they're quite comical of Paolo Maif playing in jail on snow and then showing his jail cell, which is also quite interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit of an odd situation, isn't it, Tim? Because on the one hand, um, what what they what they did was was dumb. It was a, they did something really, really stupid. And, um, maybe the only reason why they are still in jail though is because they did it to the wrong people. They did it with people that had happened to have mm -hmm. more power than they did. Um, mm -hmm. because, you know, you get the sense that in Russia, otherwise there wouldn't have been any sentence. And it's really interesting. I followed exactly. the, I followed the sentencing, the latest sentencing on, uh, sports are you, they had a ticker, um, Similar to the tickers in, in games, right? And, uh, they were saying they, they, they wrote, uh, two more months, exclamation, 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 exclamation point. And that it was like a scandal because, um, they, they gave them two more months because they had to find, they had to investigate this case a little bit more, right? Um, it's actually not a sentencing yet. It's just like, uh, a, a prolonged, exactly. prolonged holding at this stage. And so you do get the sense that, um, it is really about, you know, as you said, it's a beating. It's setting an example. Um, exactly. I, I'm a little torn because on the one hand, you think, well, maybe that's necessary. But on the other hand, uh, if they had beaten up people that were not powerful, do you think it would have been a different case? I'm pretty 100% sure it would have been a completely different case. Maybe uh wouldn't have not been the case at all. And like it's public beating because because the, the other thing is that um, uh, the reason uh, why they are not being um, uh, at home and to be under house arrest, which uh, they are trying to get, is uh, as the you know as uh, as the sentence says that um, uh, they are afraid that they uh, that Mamayan and Kakorif will continue their um, crime. Uh, business outside of jail, so like that's a complete nonsense. Like obviously, obviously, like they're not gonna go and like on the whim start beating beating people with a chair. But that's the one of the reasons why they are not at house arrest, why they are in jail, because they're afraid that they will continue their crime <laughs> crime dealings, which is absolutely insane. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's because they the story got a lot so much intention. They got in conflict with uh, so quote unquote wrong people. But um, you know, I'm you know it seems like you said like you can get some sympathy and you said you are torn i'm i'm not really torn on this because those two players mamayan and kakorian they are the products of the modern russian football and modern russian society not only football and they are product of that so they are now being judged 
pretty much uh, by the by the system by the machine which created them and what i mean by that that the system created the you know the uh, the foreign rule that the russian players get um paid insane money and sometimes way more than uh, they deserve i'm not talking about my mind and concordia i'm talking in general and those two players uh, have been created by that system uh, which is now in, in power in Russia, and this system is now judging them. So um, I think um, I don't want to be on one or the other side. This is just how I see the situation, and this and eventually it will finish somehow with some kind of result. Um, we don't know what, but um, yeah, definitely it doesn't look like uh, Zinit did a smart thing keeping uh, Alexander Kokorin and Europa League um, their squad. You know, that's a really interesting point that you're saying there. They're the products of the society because in many ways this entire incident is the product of the entire society exactly. of the country, right? Exactly. And um, it, it is a very public case. It's it's the sort of case because it is football. It's a case that even gets recognized in the West. But when you, when you pay attention to Russian society a bit closer, you, you know that these cases happen um, more frequently than we, than we recognize, right? Um, so and they don't get that attention because because uh, it's the the because on one side you have a celebrity or a very wealthy yeah. person and then the other side you have a normal person normal folk and that's why it's the happens because you can bribe or you can do something and doesn't happen this situation is happened happened because yeah like I said Kakorin Mamaev probably came across wrong people yeah it's it's a fascinating case Andrew what do you make of this um, prolonged holding because it's not a sentencing yet it's a holding call yeah i i hear what you guys are saying um i've always been pretty much against them I actually tim makes a very very good point however much you may be against their acts which is so clear that i find it utterly bizarre it's taken this long to still not be ready to um to uh carry out the final sentencing because the, the evidence is there. There's, there's, there are endless witnesses. There's video evidence. It's, there was endless evidence from the build-up during the night. I don't really see what else they're looking for. Um, but it does. That does seem an inefficiency of the of the legal system. The only benefit I can see from it is being absolutely certain they get the sensing absolutely watertight, so there is no room for maneuver or, or appeal if they if they unless they find some very very bizarre way to um to let them off the hook um but i think i think the the thing you the comment you made tim about this being a product of the system that they're in um is is the most important thing of all and even if they are the four guys for this I think there is still a benefit that a very important focus is being brought to the products of the system. Um, so by, by that, I mean, you know, Kogorn and Mamaev may well see a slightly overly strict treatment in their case, but if the end result is, it brings attention to the way that young Russian footballers are paid and treated as above the law, um, and if this addresses that, then I think it's a positive outcome. Yeah, it's an interesting case. I think, I think either or we'll, we'll keep an eye on it and um, uh, cover the story as it develops because uh, you know this is this is going to be something that's that's going to it's not resolved at this stage. And as you said, Andrew, it will be interesting to see. 
whether Kokorin will play in, in the Europa League. Um, we'll get to the Europa League in a moment. I, I want to move the focus over to um, the Russian Premier League. Some of the things that have have been happening. Um, one quick one. I should probably have put this in the news section. Uh, tell me, Cesar Navas retired in the winter. Um, yeah, he he was yeah. he was pretty important player still for Ruben. Uh, he he played pretty <coughs> regularly. Um, two hundred and fifty games in the Russian Premier League. Uh, he was thirty eight. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting story, and he is the player who was um, a very important one of the best defenders in the league for a very long time. He followed Kurban Berdiev um, from Rubin to Rostov and then back, and he was the he yeah like I said he was thirty eight years old. I know he had some. Um, I think it was some personal issues uh, back home in the, with the family, and he was talking about um, you know hanging up the boots for a couple of years, plus obviously his age. But then finally, it seems like he decided to stop because um, because everything um, everything. But yeah, playing until the age of thirty eight and playing on the highest level, of course, you know, Russian Premier League is not the highest level in the world, but it's still a pretty pretty intense league, and especially when you're playing under um, Kurban Birdiev. Uh, so all the respect and definitely a player who. Uh, left a very big mark um, and um, you know and achieved a lot in the Russian Premier League uh, also he yeah so he was the captain he was the leader of defense uh, so congratulations and thanks uh, to Cesar Maver for his great time in Russia now, Andrew I know this is a player that you've always followed as well I'm pretty sure you picked him a few times as you player to watch um, have to go back and into your previews uh, your thoughts on this Absolutely. I mean, it's a quite remarkable record. 250 games doesn't sound like much in this modern world where you've got crazy statistics of Messi and Ronaldo's playing five, 600 games, scoring 700 goals, God knows what. But you've got to bear in mind, in the Russian League, there are only 30 games a season. So that's over eight full seasons in the Russian League for a Russian player. And that's playing every game. For a Russian player, that would be impressive. For a foreigner, um, and not just that, but a foreigner who, who only arrived when he was, what, 29, 30 years old, you would have assumed, well, our last two or three seasons and then and then call it quits. Um, and his utter dependency, you could, even at his age, even with his lack of pace, his intelligence and ability to read the game, for me, means we're lucky to have had him for this long in the Russian League, I think. Um, and I always like when you have an example of a slightly older player who doesn't have so much pace, but their intelligence and reading of the game is enough to make them not just an, an effective member of the team, but a leader in the team. Um, you know, you go further down the Russian league system and you find more examples of this. Um, Hassan Mamtov, for example, you know, absolutely led the Fennel for the last two or three years. Um, and that's not even me being blatantly biased to, <laughs> to FC Chumet. He's, he's been a consistent goal scorer. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I had to play the football bingo again. I know, but actually I genuinely am making a point. It, it, it even as a neutral, I would have been delighted to see the likes of Mount Up and Cesar and Navas. Sergei brothers. Well, it, it, again, you know, you, you, we use these examples, Tim. How, how much are you going to remember players like that compared to, um, I mean, we've seen Leandro Paredes come and go in the blink of an eye. Nobody will remember yeah. him in Russia yeah. in a few months' time. I mean, he's a great player, don't get me wrong. That's not, it's not the 
immediate quality of a player, I'm saying. It's the lasting impact. Very few players will have an impact like Navas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think he deserves to go down alongside the likes of Wagner Love in, you know, the great foreigners to have played in in the Russian league. So um, it's a great shame to lose him, but he he's earned the right to go out when he chooses. So um, it's a loss to Rubin, a loss to Russian football, but um, congratulations on a great career. Wagner Love, bingo, check. Um, uh, and the name that should be mentioned on every podcast, not only on this one, every one period, Wagner Love, love the hair. Um, Kazama busy though. Um, they did not strengthen the defense in that regard, but they did bring in uh, Zuriko Davatish. <laughs> Let me try that again. Zuriko Davitashvili. Huh? Well, how was that? Very, very impressive. Um, quite a talent. Very good talent. He made the, uh, Guardian that, you know, they have the 60 best talents in the world lists, um, every year. And he made that list. And, um, an attacking midfielder signed from Lokomotiv, uh, Tbilisi. Um, you know, actually a product of Dinamo Tbilisi. Looks like a really interesting player. And, you know, if there is a club that can use young talent and is sort of in a rebuild anyways, Tim, then that's Ruben, right? They, and with Bedev, they have a coach and manager who's very good at integrating players like that. So, um, good signing for them, um, in many ways. Yeah, it is. It is a good sighting. I, to be quite honest, I don't know much about this uh, player. Um, so this is the first time I heard about him. But um, they, are you absolutely right in bringing a parallel between him and uh, Kurban Birdiev? Uh, we can just look on Sirdar Azmun uh, and the progress he made under under. Kurban Berdiev. Kurban Berdiev is definitely one of the top uh, coaches in in Russia, and uh, lots of players um, really just it's you know it's like uh, an example when the players want to go to Manchester uh, to Manchester City just to work with Guardiola. Uh, it's obviously not the same level, but the idea is the same because um, Kurban Berdiev is very very um, very very equipped uh, tactically. He coaches his players uh, for tactics. Another example, Fedor Kudryashov, who actually uh, moved uh, to Turkey and in the first game he scored uh, the first goal. He's a perfect example because he's a product of Spartak's academy and I was paying attention to him for a very long time. And he was... He was a very aggressive defender, but he made so many tactical mistakes and just in general mistakes. Mm-hmm. After working with Kuban Berdiev for a few years, he ended up playing uh, for Russia in the national team. Now he moved on uh, to Turkey and is definitely considered one of the best um, defenders in Russia. So you can see the progress which players make with Kurban Berdiev. Uh, like I said, the Serdar Azmun, Fyodor Kudryashov. There's quite a few other players who, under his wing, really developed. So uh, bringing another young super talented uh, technical Georgian player I think this is a great transfer again like I said I don't know anything about this player but uh, based on the description and that he was on a, in the Guardians list uh, this could be an interesting transfer we just have to watch for a little bit and wait and see the result yeah I think you know there's not there's Georgian players I always have a soft spot for them um, I remember when Freiburg had about 15 of them. I'm, of course, exaggerating and, uh, <laughs> they, yeah, played, yeah. they played some fantastic football, you know, and I, I know in, in the Soviet Union, um, Georgian players were almost like South Americans, regarded like South American players because they're so technically exactly. gifted, right? Exactly. And, um, Dinamo Tbilisi for a long time was called the Uruguayans because they were wearing, um, the blue shirts, but they were also playing like a South American team and, 
Um, it's it's really interesting when you look at Georgian players. They usually are players who are very technically gifted, and this is exactly how Suriko Davitashvili is described. He is described as a player, a typical number ten, a playmaker, um, a little raw, which is probably a good good thing that he's going to work with Kobin Bedev. Um, we're going to talk about Asmun in a moment a little bit more, but probably a good replacement for Asmun, um, an attacking player that Ruben Kazan really needs. And given that they can't really qualify for Europe anyways, because they're banned by UEFA, right? They have the time to develop young players right now for this rest of this season and then in going into next season. So um, I think this is a really fascinating signing and one to keep an eye on. And um, Andrew... You want to pronounce that next one, or um, should I do it? <laughs> well, to be fair, you did stick your neck out, so I'll <laughs> you did a very you did a very good job, far better than I'll do. Right? Okay. Um, just give me a moment to um, <laughs> to just count up how many letters I've got to include in this. Right? Where are we? Um, you really you you did this on purpose, didn't you? The did, David Tash really was easy enough, but right, Christ, here we go. Kvicha. Kva- oh bloody! Sorry, this is going to be another expletive. Sorry yeah, about this, Nina. Um, we're going to be <laughs> People are going to start wondering what is this football crowd podcast about entirely? Um, right, let's start again. Kvicha kvara. Oh, I got you almost on. almost made it. Yeah. Right, okay, one try. One last try. Kvicha kvara kvara Yes. That's yes. close. Kvicha Kvaratelia. Yeah. After all this, and there we've got somebody who has a fairly good knowledge of how to pronounce these sort of things. Yeah, I was just enjoying you trying your attempt of saying. I was definitely enjoying it too. Uh, uh, living in Georgia, you know, you, you really learn how to break your tongue in several places and twist these words around. <laughs> I mean, in the nicest possible way, I hope these two fail miserably so I don't have to keep pronouncing their name, but, you know. Uh, This kid has been described as, um, he's been compared by Artur Petrosian um, as a cross between Julian Draxler and Julian Brandt and Leroy Sané. So, um, there's a good chance, there's a good chance, Andrew, you will have to learn his name. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you did, you did, Mention indirectly the caveat there. It was mentioned by Art Petrosian, so I'd better say that with a pinch of salt. But um, uh, either way, it's uh, the the point in general that you make about Georgian talent is is uh, is a, is an absolutely fascinating one. There is a very very clear correlation between certain regions that appreciate particular types of players, and Georgia is just non-stop produced these just incredibly visionary players. I mean, as an English football fan, I grew up, one of the first foreigners that I was aware of, um, well, for Manchester United, uh, Andrei Kinchelskis, but from a Georgian point of view, in Manchester as well, was um, Georgi Kinkladze. Oh, what a player. Um, you know, I mean, oh my word. I mean, you talk about luxury players. Manchester City have always been a bit of a, a bottom-feeding club. You know, they, there's nothing much there in terms of substance in a, an entirely unbiased way, you understand. Mm. Um, but, you know, in the mid-90s, they were they were desperately struggling. And and, and along came this guy, King Clancy, who nobody had a slight idea what he was like. He had the impression of being slightly overweight and people thought, oh, well, he thinks he's here for a, for a big payday. And then he got the ball at his feet. And the way he just glided past players as if they didn't even exist, not with pace, 
not with really any great trickery, to be honest, but just with sheer mastery of the ball, the way it was glued to his feet. I mean, I don't think there has been since then uh, a single player for Manchester City that I just looked at and my jaw has dropped to the extent where I can't even, I don't even care which team he plays for. He, I just want to watch him play. Um, and that's just one. I mean, the line of Georgian players that we could, well, I mean, we could be here all day talking about Georgian playmakers, but it's a very good one. So for these two youngsters coming along, um, yeah, I wish you didn't have to do it on my patch, but um, seeing as you're here now, I do hope to see what Mr. Kvarach, Kelia and David Tashvili, um, what they get up to. <laughs> yeah, Kvicha Kvarats Kelia. Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, this, this is, I think this is a, this is a very good player. I'm really looking forward to seeing him at Lokomotiv. That's where he's gone. Um, we haven't, we have kind of failed to mention that. And, uh, I, I think, you know, as another Dynamo Tbilisi product, I've, I've seen the Dynamo Tbilisi Academy when I was there. Um, I think the sky is going to be the limit. So, uh, unfortunately, Kvarats Helia is going to be a name that you will have to learn to pronounce. Um, Andrew, but, um, that's not the only news that we have. Um, you know, this is, this is, this is one that's kind of fell on a kind of late transfer. We kind of forget a little bit that the transfer window is still open in Russia. And, um, you know, as we, we're going to discuss a little bit of Europa League action in a moment, this is one that's not going to affect the Europa League at all because this transfer was completed after the, the, the registration window for UE for competition shut. Um, Tim Skopintsev from Rostov to Krasnodar. We're going to talk a bit about Rostov, uh, Krasnodar and Zenit and their little bit of transfer battle that's going on. Uh, one team spending millions and millions and the other team still spending good money, but not quite as much money. Um, how do you think this transfer is going to pan out? Yeah, that's a very interesting transfer because um, Skopitsov, he had a few offers from uh, big Russian clubs. He is, uh, I think he was... Uh, he his child he spent his childhood in Germany and he started playing there. Imana, mm-hmm. you probably know yep. uh, that better. Uh, but yeah, then he um, got on offers from a few different uh, clubs. Um, he was playing in 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 Rostov under Valery Karpin and he made a good progress. And uh, pretty much in the end of the day, uh, he had offers from uh, Krasnodar and Zenit. And usually any player would take Zenit over Krasnodar, but uh, he decided to go with Krasnodar. Um, I think maybe just because he he expected that he he will get a little bit more uh, playing time and maybe it's a better step for his career. He is still a young player. He you know he plays well for Krasnodar. Uh, I'll have a good chance playing for Zenit, but that's a very, very good uh, transfer for Krasnodar, a young, uh, talented uh, Russian player uh, who plays aggressively. Um, the only issue, uh, Murat Musayev, who is the coach of uh, the Krasnodar, he spoke and he said that he will need a little bit of adjustment because he, for the past few years, he played in a system of a 3-5-2 and he played this uh, that the wing-back, pretty much um, one of those three or five, depends how you describe those players. And Krasnodar plays with four uh, players in the back, but it's still a very important transfer, uh, mainly because it's an up-and-coming Russian superstar, uh, not superstar, uh, let's call him a future possible national team player, because he's definitely made a very, very big progress. And the interesting fact that the players really takes Krasnodar over Zenit. I'm not sure what was the money situation just for him, but it's um, I think it's a smart uh, 
the smart way to put his career and play a little bit more for Krasnodar. And again, that shows again the progress of Krasnodar as a football club that right now Krasnodar is considered as definitely one of the top clubs and a good place for a young player to grow. Uh, because that's obviously never been the case even five, seven years ago. Um, so good, good job, Krasnodar acquired a very good player, uh, which has a very good future and um, good for them. We'll just see how he uh, fits into the Krasnodar model. Yeah, um, product of RB Leipzig, Tim. Um, oh, really? Yeah, moved over to Germany from, um, I believe the transfer was from Sinit and then uh, he played in the Red Bull system. Liefering, Salzburg, um, Leipzig. So I think he will adjust quite well, um, to his new surroundings in Krasnodar. Um, yeah, an interesting transfer. You know, it's, it's really interesting to see what, um, Krasnodar have done because, you know, we mentioned it a few, few weeks ago that how they dominate every team in passing and possession, uh, play a very, um, dominant style of football. And, um, the dominant style of football that has served them quite well in Europe as well. Um, you know, once again, we're going to chat about the Europa League, uh, perform, Europa League, uh, match in a moment. So, um, an interesting one, um, kind of very different than what Sinit did, right? Andrew with, uh, Asmoon and Wilma Barrios, um, two big name signings. Um, Asmoon, of course, there was rumors about him maybe going to Whitecaps. Uh, we really mu- very much shut that down. The last time we podcasted, um, the expected transfer in many ways of Asmun and then with Wilma Barrios, um, another, another South American to replace Leandro Paredes. Well, yeah, I mean, it's even, even people who aren't familiar with Russian football will know that Zanit's modus operandi is, is very different to most other Russian clubs. They, they spend money, simple as that. Although, for obvious reasons, like we mentioned before, with Paredes leaving, they've actually managed to balance the books and some on top of that, um, this transfer window. I was surprised as well by Skopinsev's decision, but pleasantly surprised because I actually do think Krasnodar are a more sustainable club uh, long-term than Zanit. Zanit do spend a lot of money, but I, I just can't see it going on forever. Um, we've seen before how... Um, how Gazprom's directors have said, look, we want the club to become uh, self-sustainable in the next few years, um, which is a thinly veiled message saying we're realising that we can't do this under financial fair play and we're not getting fair returns anyway. Um, and I think Karasana are only going up. The only thing that slightly confuses me is the left-back position is not really one that Krasnodar needed to fill because They've already got Christian uh, Ramirez, who's been playing very well within their system. Um, he offers similar qualities to Skopintsev, I'd say. Pace going forwards, he's very good on the ball, very comfortable on the ball. Uh, Skopintsev is used to being very, very much involved in the play, and Christian Ramirez is too. Um, you know, Stotsky can also play at left-back. Even Petrov, I suppose, could play at left-back. Um, so I'm a little, little surprised that they've spent this much money, but perhaps... It's um it's a shade of what we saw about a year ago uh, when Spartak and Zanit were in a battle to sign all the best um, Russian young players. They thought, well, we don't want anybody else to have them, so we better sign in quick. Um, either way, Skopinsev is going to have a big future in Russian football, and he, I assume that Christian Ramirez is going to be on his toes to even stay at the club now, now that they spent good money on Skopinsev. So it'll be interesting to see how he develops. Um, 
For Zanit, though, um, you mentioned Asmoon as a signing. Yes, I, I'm not saying they desperately need him, but I can understand why they brought him in. Uh, Kokori, we mentioned, of course, being in jail for a long time, so have a lot of you not scoring for a while. Um, but they probably still need defensive reinforcements, I'd say. Um, tomorrow night will be a very big test of them at home uh, to Fenerbahce. So we'll see how they cope with that. Um, you know, M- Mamana injured. Uh, Miham Mevlio has been trying to get a move away all winter break. Luis Nieto has gone on loan to Sporting. So suddenly they're down to the bare bones at centre-back. So we'll see how they cope. Yeah, Skopensev is an interesting one because he can also play further up the pitch. That's where um, Leipzig, uh, where he was used in the youth academy quite a bit. I think he, he was actually listed as a striker at some point. But um, Andrew, I'm actually going to stick with you because the we're going to move over to the Europa League. And um, you mentioned it already, and this is a great transition. Um, Zenit against Fenerbahce. Um, I watched that first leg. Fenerbahce was all over Zenit in that one. Um, I think the best news coming out of that game is that they only lost 1-0. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there are two ways of looking at the that first leg. Um, Fenerbahce dominated possession, as you'd expect. And I don't think Zenit's game plan, even if they had been in the middle of their their season, um, I mean, by that, I mean in the middle of actually competitive football, not coming off the back of three months in activity. Um, uh, but I do think that Zenit showed enough enough bite, and I put that down to Barrios and Rakitsky, not exclusively, but in large part, um, Barris is a quality signing and he was just the sort of player they needed because he has been playing regular football and he is an aggressive, active player who plays on the front foot. Um, I actually, I actually don't think Zanit, um, I don't, I think 1-0 was a fair result in the end. They didn't, they didn't create that many clear cut chances, although they did have that penalty that was saved mm. by spectacular, uh, from, from Robert Mack and they were, Enough flashes of counter-attacking football that was a bit disjointed, again, as you'd expect after being out of action for so long. But it was enough to show me there that they will they will have a, a still a very good chance and they will be disappointed not to make it close, at the very least, um, in the return leg. You've got to remember as well, Fenerbahce are poor away from home, even if you ignore the fact that they are having a dreadful domestic campaign. Um, they're only out of the relegation on relegation zone in the Turkish Super League on goal difference. Um, they've lost, I think it is the last five games away from home in Europe. Um, Zanit, of course, have an incredible home record. They've never lost um, from group stage onwards at home in the Europa League in 22 matches. Um, so is, there's still a lot of encouragement there for Zanit. Yes, they've got to improve, um, but I, I think they have the quality to do so. Um, and I actually do think they will, I think they will do, well, certainly enough to take it very close. Um, whether they'll have enough to, to win on that remains to be seen, really. Yeah, I, I, I think there is enough there. Um, you know, the, the, the question, of course, is, um, will they not concede? Because you concede, of course, you have to score three, right? And that's, that's always very difficult. Um, and I, I, you're, you're right, the penalty, um, completely forgot about it. I just, I think the one thing that also has to be kept in mind, and, and Tim, this is something that we've discussed many, many times, the winter break, this is their first competitive games of the season. Um, how big is 
the fact that they're basically going straight into a European matchup coming from the winter break. Massive, massive. I think you don't have the playing rhythm. Um, all the tactical, all the new players are still new. Um, you haven't played them in the competitive manner. You haven't established those, you know, those relationships, especially, for example, in defense, if Rakitsky plays with, I don't know, whoever he plays with, uh, those relationships, who does what in which situations. It's, 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 it's incredibly important and, um, it is a big challenge. That's why, uh, you know, I'm lucky that you didn't ask me of my opinion on that game because uh, both both clubs are known. I don't watch Fenerbahce that well, but definitely they have in a weird season uh, where they go and like in a, they were in the bottom of the table for for a while. So something is happening there. And obviously Zenit after a winter break, nobody, even the coach of the team who you know thinks about the team 24/7 on on every day. He he doesn't even know what to expect because it's a completely new team. They're not sure about how physically gonna look, and uh, um, yeah, because uh, in the end it seemed like Zenit it was obviously, which is absolutely fair enough. In in the end of the game, it was tougher for them uh, physically. So we're not sure what if the game goes into 120 minutes mm-hmm. uh, because that's possible as well. Uh, so how that will affect? So I honestly I don't have an opinion and that I, I can't make a prediction because really there's two unknown two unknown teams will be playing and um, yeah it's hard to say but uh, one thing which I wanted to say I think uh, on the, this transfers I think uh, this what three key transfers Azmoun, Barrios and Rakitsky I think Zenit won the league with just, with just those three, three transfers that's my prediction I predicted in the end of the first uh, half of this uh, that Seska will win I think now Zenit with those transfers won the league and yeah, that will ruin my prediction but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, spe- well, I'll be happy. I'll, I'll be happy if your prediction goes. goes. Uh, me too. You guys will never hear, never hear the end of it. Um, we'll get to. Tim, 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 Tim. How could you be happy if Manu's predictions go right? Just like he said, if Manu himself says we'll never hear the end of it, then my God, we'll have another year of this. Well, guys, any prediction you want, just come to me. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm the one who got it right. Well, Andrew got the World Cup winner right. I think that trumps everything. Um, All right, fair enough, fair enough. I'll give you this. I did have the World Cup. In case anybody, by the way, listening to this doesn't know, I did predict that France would win the World Cup. Um, So, there we go. Yeah. yeah, um, uh, So, uh, quickly moving on. um, We have the game pressing against Football Crowd derbies. Leverkusen (laughs) against Krasnodar. You know, this is this is a game we're going to actually have someone at the game. Matt Marshall's uh, covering that game for us in Leverkusen. Um, Tim, another one where I think Leverkusen can be very happy with the first result in Krasnodar. Um, probably a little unhappy, actually. In fact, that they didn't score. I, I watched this game as well, and I thought Leverkusen had the better chances. But again, Krasnodar with a bigger disadvantage of not having um, like having to play this as their first competitive game against a very strong German side. Leverkusen have been very much resurgent. Um, they're knocking on the door of the Champions League spots in the Bundesliga after winning four out of five games um, after the winter break under a new head coach. So this is this is another one where um, a very difficult fixture for Krasnodar. It will be absolutely, especially at the same time. You know, they they will have the advantage of away goal 
uh, rule if they score yeah. one. Okay, so then Bayer have to score two. That's the benefit. But again, I'm not sure if Krasnodar will be will be able to cope with um, you know with Leverkusen for 90 minutes. And again, what if it goes to 120? It's always a challenge. It has been historically since the Soviet times when uh, when we had this break and the clubs um, played in in Europe. Uh, even we had a different system, but still, you know, you you have a three, four months winter break and then you play right away in Europe. Um, it will be tough for Krasnodar and um, again, because they're playing against a very team which is, you know, maybe not, not so much convenient to play against because um, Bayer Leverkusen, you know, they're, they're more attacking team and, um, you know, you might obviously know that, can explain that better than anyone. But uh, Krasnodar, I think... Um, it's again. It's it's so hard to to predict because you don't really know in which condition. I think Krasnodar was interesting. Was in general they had the 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 first game was positive. The only thing is the result that they didn't score, but at the same time they didn't let the goal in. Um, we'll see. But to be quite honest, I think Leverkusen will go through. Just on my gut, based on nothing else. Yeah, I saw Leverkusen the weekend. Uh, the weekend before on Friday, I was in Mainz where they. Absolutely destroyed Mainz. I mean, this game could have ended 9-1. The only reason it <laughs> didn't is because they took the foot off the paddle after uh, about 60 minutes. They were like, oh yeah, we have a game on Thursday, so let's take it easy here. Um, yeah, this side has been, you know, I made the big mistake and tipped them as the Bundesliga champion uh, ahead of the season. Uh, they have the squad. Unfortunately, they didn't have the coach. Now they seem to have the coach as well, and they've been very much resurgence ever since um a very 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 good team especially going forward um so i i'm really curious about this game because i think krasunda are a very good side as well so this is going to be a fascinating one to watch so I, Ma matt marshall is in for a treat um i'm also in for a treat guys because i'm going to be in frankfurt tomorrow for frankfurt against Shakhtar donetsk um oh nice yeah so uh, this is this is a game i'm very much looking forward to because i think um, this is two teams that like to play attacking football, and um, we've all been been raving about about Eintracht Frankfurt on the Gegenpressing podcast and how how great of a team attacking wise they are. A little bit of a result crisis at the moment. They're playing great football, but they can't win games. But I mean, this is a good example: the the two two draw in the first leg um, against Shakhtar Donetsk will ultimately favor them in the second leg because a zero zero, a one one, Eintracht Frankfurt will go through. Um, at the same time, Shakhtar Donetsk, they are, in my opinion, Shakhtar Donetsk is a Champions League team. You know, they, yeah. they, they, that's, that's a Champions League quality team and they came very close of staying in the Champions League if the UEFA hadn't moved their, their game to Kiev. I think that really dis that was a huge disadvantage for them. So this is going to be a fascinating tie. So I, I'm really much looking forward to covering that on, on the Football Grad Network. Um, I want to go to, <laughs> Andrew for the next one because <laughs> I think this amused all of us except for poor Ralph Hanna who is also on the Football Guard Network and is an Arsenal fan. Um, Andrew, <laughs> a 37-year-old uh, yes. Alexander Schlepp led Bartek Borisov to a 1-0 victory over Arsenal. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. That did tickle me. Um, <laughs> I mean, just I mean, you mentioned Alexander Schlepp when he was at his prime, when he when he played for Barcelona and, and when he played for Arsenal, of course, um, he was a really classy player and I always enjoyed watching him. But, I mean, the, the, the guy's 37. Um, it's not a game that Arsenal should even come close to losing. I mean, this season, Arsenal are a... They're, they're having a bit of an identity crisis under Unai Emery and 
they have a huge, huge number of youngsters coming through who are highly promising, some of which, of course, you'll be more directly familiar with Manu mm. Reese nelson uh, at Hoffenheim, for example, having a, well, yet another young English player having a, a well, not a renaissance, but having an actual chance um, in German football, which is, is great as a neutral Englishman to see. But from Arsenal's point of view, um, it's a, it just puts yet more unnecessary pressure on them. I don't think it would have mattered if they had, had just simply ground out a fairly dull draw and then, then all they had to do was win at home. But now, you know, they still should win comfortably. Um, but it, all it will take is just 15, 20 minutes to drag on to half an hour and then suddenly half-time approaches. If they still haven't scored and Bate are, are looking pretty solid and more comfortable, it just adds more pressure on. And this really would... It is going to sound disrespectful, and it is a little bit, but it would be a, a humiliation for Arsenal not to go through against Vati Borisov um, uh, over two legs. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even close to being um, a, a debate that should be had. Uh, yeah, so I, I did enjoy that one immensely. Uh, Andrew, uh, you, you know English League better than me and uh, Manu. Like Arsenal, from what I understand, have very little chances of qualifying uh, for two, uh, two Champions League for the league. In my opinion, they should be going all the way um, to Europa League. Plus, they, have, they haven't had... Uh, titles in a while, those FA Cups they had, okay, good, but it's really, you know, it's just in the FA Cup. Um, having a European title, having a coach who won that tournament before, why why don't they go all in on that? Or is it just, uh, is it just, or oh, I'm judging too much by that one result? Um, yeah, that's a good point, actually, to be fair. I mean, if, if you look from the outside of the league table, they're only one point behind the, the greatest team on earth um, after FC Japan. Um, but that in itself... 1860 is in the Premier League? <laughs> <laughs> Spartak Moscow moved to EPL. Finally, well, we're playing a if, if you want to talk in a, in a more esoteric sense, then yes, the Spartak Moscow of, of England, the, the greatest entertainers of all time, Manchester United, oh, okay. of course, um, ahead of them. But no, no, in all seriousness, um, the problem with Arsenal this season is, is, in my view, quite simple. They have... A, an overabundance of attacking midfielders wide forwards, um, but they have absolutely no balance in uh, in defence. They brought in Lucas Torreira in midfield, and he is an absolutely brilliant little player. Um, but then they insist on playing Granite Jacker the whole time, and he is the most wasteful player in possession. He's a walking yellow card every game. Uh, and then behind them, that's where the problems really begin, because... They play a back three system uh, with um, Mustafi again, another player Manu you'll be familiar with. Um, oh yeah, he's not he's not quite in the Benedict Hovedes category for me, but he's approaching that. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, Andrew Mustafi won Germany the World Cup by getting injured. <laughs> well, okay, in that case, I will I will accelerate it to the. Um, into the Hervides category of German players who, for some very strange reason, somehow played in a World Cup winning side. Um, I mean, they, they Arsenal are, are, are a struggling side, um, and not since the days of Andrea Shavin have they looked like a complete side. And no coincidence, coincidence there, I think. Yeah, Pumus Davi, he's he actually lost to Bart Borisov, um, it's a second time. 
um the last time an <laughs> yes. english an english team lost lost to uh lost to Bart Borisov it, it was my Skoda Mustafi's professional debut as an 17 year old for Everton um yeah it, uh, that's that's a poor record um but yeah he's a world cup winner so what could possibly go wrong i guess kevin kohlskoyt's playing in the third division in germany for a russian oligarch owned club um is a world cup winner as well um, fi- <laughs> final one, Dinamo Kiev against Olympiakos. Um, that was a 2-2 in Greece. Um, that's a great result for Dinamo Kiev, I think. That puts them in a very, very good place to advance at the Olympiski, um, on Thursday. That, that previews up on footballgrad.com as well. Um, boys, um, yeah, we covered a lot of ground today. Um, some fantastic topics. Some interesting topics. I'm really curious to see if Barta can go through, um, and make it to that next round. <laughs> and, uh, that, that would, that would just literally make my day. Um, just to see Alexander Hlepp again. Um, I, 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 yeah, what a legend. Anyways, guys, um, out of time. Andrew, um, what have you been up to? Where can people find you online? And, uh, yeah, floors used to pluck whatever you want to pluck. Um, well, yeah, I've been, uh, slowly getting back into the football previews. Um, I've got one up already and the next one will be posted by the time this goes out, certainly, um, uh, for Krasadar Leverkusen. Um, and well, most excitingly, I will have three trips to Yekaterinburg to see the three next best teams in Russia after Ural, um, Spartak, Tesco and Zanitz. And I'll be doing some video coverage from them. So, Follow me on Twitter at Andrew M I J Flint, and you'll see some some incredible live footage of of Russian football. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Give that account a follow. Um, Tim, how about you? Uh, yeah, we with your help, Mano. Uh, I would say we co-wrote an article. Actually, you wrote it. I just helped a little bit. No, no, but no. The no. Other... I just edited. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's an article by uh, about Pavel Mamayev's prison uh, game in football called Pavel Mamayev Prison Football. And uh, the two interesting videos which are in the article, um, one is the video of the actual um, uh, game, a little bit, you know, just a little summary of everything what happened in the game. And then there's also you can find a video um, where he, where the um, where the uh, journalists were let in into the into the his cell jail and it's very interesting to see in which conditions uh, the national team player is being held in in jail. So check that out on uh, Footballgrad, Pavel Mamayev, a Russian prison football, and you can follow me on Instagram Rocket from Russia and on Twitter uh, Russian Tim sixty one. Yeah, interesting in general about um Russian jails. I think it's it's a it's a fascinating piece. Um so yeah, give that a check. Uh you can you can find me at Manuel Weff. Um I cover I've been in Germany for the last few weeks covering all sorts of games, um for for football grad of course, but also for Forbes and uh Pro Soccer USA. Um also all these things have been tweeted out on my personal account. Everything I do for Football Grad is tweeted out at Football Grad Live, including this podcast and all the other podcasts. So um, give that a follow and yeah i'll be as i said i'll be at uh in frankfurt tomorrow to see eintracht frankfurt against Schachter donetsk so there will be a video that there will be an article from that um very much looking forward to that game and um i will be speaking to some of my followers i guess tomorrow from frankfurt well guys that's it end of the podcast until next week das wird dann hier.
It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.